welcome listeners to part two of the best of the 2000s. This is Let the Music Be Your Master. I am George Harmon, and I'm joined by my friends. Brandon Arnold. Jason Johnson. And we are excited to, to join with you, fellow music lovers. Um, how's that? How's, how am I doing, Brandon? You're smiling. Great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Last time we went 2000 to 2004. Um, I don't know if, about you guys, if you've had, if you've been changing your lists around or thinking about it at all, but you know, like my typical fashion, I've been looking at my final four picks because Jason and I both had six in the first, uh, those first few years of the, of the decade, I guess yeah. the first fi- five years of the decade. And I've been, I've been uh, just agonizing over a couple choices and tweaking a little bit here, but today we're going to go from 2005 to 2009. We're going to give you our underrated of the decade, our overrated of the decade, and our decade champs. And yeah, so what else? Jordan, that was phenomenal. Thank you. I've been practicing. What a what an introduction. That's all I do. Yeah, so I, my intros. I'm sticking to my guns. I didn't make any changes. I almost did, and then I didn't. Um, my list is kind of weird. So I already did six. I only have of my four left, I've got one 2005 and three 2007s. That's all I've got. Hmm. Running out of steam. No, I just, it, I, 2007 evidently was a good year for me. So uh, who's going to, who's going to kick us off? Who's got a 2005? Well, I've, I've still got five songs left. So why, <laughs> you don't, have a why don't I start that? I do. Let's hear it. I Pete. do. Um, okay. 2005, that was the year that I discovered Mr. Sufjan Stevens, mm. and he released his uh, his fine album called Illinois. Um, or is it called Come On, Feel the Illinois? It's I think, Illinois, I think that's yeah. Just the, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's just the catchy phrase on the cover. On the girls, cover, Girls right. rock the Illa boys. That's, <laughs> that's a Quiet Riot reference for anybody yeah. who's wondering. There you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. You there took you, you took the reference to the next level. Yeah, I just I just came <laughs> up with that on my own. I'll be here all night. <laughs> so, turns out this was his fifth album, but the first one that that I knew about because uh, you know I wasn't as clued into the music scene at at this point in my life. Um, and he had he had some great albums before that. Um, particularly the Michigan one and the Seven Swans. Um, but Illinois was the second in his uh, self-proclaimed goal to make an album dedicated to each of the 50 states. Uh, second of that series and last. He made it too. But what an album, this thing. Uh, it's, uh, gosh, how, how do you even describe this thing? It it takes the the ambition and operaticness that that you heard last episode with Arcade Fire and really goes for it. Just takes that to a, a whole new level. Uh, so you got all kinds of arrangements, instrumentation, uh, orchestra. He's, he has a whole backup touring band called the Illinois Makers. It was fun stuff. It's a really good album. I'm, I'm curious to see what track you picked because I had one that was a very, very last minute cut from my list. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Deciding which track from this is, is tough because the whole yeah, album for me, start to finish, yeah. is it's kind of like a side B of, of Beatles Abbey Road for me. Like it mm. all goes together and I just. Right. It's a great you know, album. Yeah. yeah. So first I was inclined towards um, the song Come on Feel the Illinois. Really like how that one starts and it has like the uh, the weird seven eight time signature or something um but i figure if uh anyone's if this is anyone's first first listen to sufjan stevens um i'm gonna go with chicago this is his that was what, the track that was the track yeah. that i cut last minute mm-hmm. and so yeah i'll play this and i i think this is another we've we talked about this last episode but how the the indie indie rock indie pop was was making really fantastic pop music, which I think this is a great example of, and no excuse why this this song shouldn't have been number one on the charts, but for whatever reason it it never was. But check it out, Chicago by Sufjan Stevens. for you yeah great pick great great album i think he's he is one of the great um kind of indie musicians of that decade and i my favorite album of his though came from this last the decade where we just finished and so Mm-hmm. I've got. I think I've got him on my 2010s because of that. that but the, uh, that the one he made with his stepdad, uh, what's his name, in Lowell. Yeah, Carrie and Lowell. Carrie right and Lowell. That's an incredible yeah. album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who who would you compare Sufjan to? Um. Who who would be his uh, his musical ancestry? Is it like a, almost like a Nick Drake or a. Oh, I think you could say Nick Drake. You could say Paul si- Paul Simon because of the uh-huh. kind of reaching for interesting sounds and mixing Able to it up. Incorporate different, yeah. A lot of instruments. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, Nick Drake, Paul Simon, um, the Beatles. I mean, he, yeah, he's a singer songwriter, but he's a little bit more like he exists a little bit more in the in the margin. That's why, like, even like a Paul Simon was a little bit more pop, a little bit more like in the in the mainstream than yeah. Ever mm-hmm. really has been. That's why, kind of, why I said Nick Drake there. But I, I don't know that there's a really fair comparison. I think he's yeah. in the the lineage of like that kind of experimental singer songwriter. But I don't know who the '60s or '70s counterpart would be. He's not like he's not like a Dylan esque wordsmith per se. Yeah. And he, what he about hasn't someone, reached like folk hero status like like Dylan did. But you. What have, about someone like Donovan or something? Yeah, I was thinking of that, and and some some Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this one seems like his most radio friendly song potentially, sure. um, and a lot of his other stuff. You can see why why he's not more well known because he gets he gets pretty. Uh, pretty obscure with with some of his stuff, but I I just find his his composition, his way with instruments, um, really fascinating. He's a good example of like you were saying, both of you. We were talking about that. It's not pop, but it is. It's indie, but it's bigger than indie in the '90s. Like you know, they they've got a, they've got promotional stuff, and you're seeing stuff from them. And um, I mean, the 2000s just. I think it was a great decade for indie music and he, he was pretty big as mm-hmm. an indie musician. And, um, and I think yeah. we're seeing the, um, the effect of cheaper and more portable technology. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that you don't have to rent some expensive studio necessarily anymore. Right. Um, right. you know, I don't know how that particular album was recorded, but I know his earlier stuff is just like on a four track or you might have a, a digital one at this point, but a lot of his Christmas albums, he'd just go to his friends' houses and bring his his little digital four track thing and record parts here and there, and, and it yeah. still sounds great because technology has improved so much, but also gotten so much yeah. more accessible. Yeah, he he's a much more like stylized and and refined version of I think what like Guided by Voices was was and is attempting to do. Right, mm-hmm. except for he's not yeah. doing like the collective thing. I mean, he's, it's really just him. It's it's his thing so good pick brandon love it i've got i've got a two in fact i've got two 2005s unless i change my mind within the next two minutes um but uh do you have one jason too yeah i got a 2005 so i'll do one of mine then you can go and then we'll see if i keep this other one. so um this 2005 this is actually the band i was talking about that uh, like some kind of algorithm uh, from amazon or something told me if you because you like this band check out this band the band is Broken Social Scene. They were mm-hmm. a Toronto band, uh, a collective actually of other bands. Like, you know, many of the musicians in Broken Social Scene actually were in other bands that were their main thing, but they just said, like, we should get together and just goof around and record and make some songs. And they did. And the music they made, they made two, two or three albums in the, in the decade that were, that were amazing albums. But the song I want to play for you guys and for our listeners is called Seven four so seven slash four like the time signature not a very creative uh name song but it's broken social scene seven four you're gonna hear we've already heard feist you're gonna hear feist and the other lead singer for broken social scene uh, singing together 
I believe his name's Kevin Drew. In this band, I saw this band live a year and a half ago up in Ogden. It was amazing. They they had a new album that came out in the last couple of years called Hug of Thunder. But this song, Seven Four, Broken Social Scene, I've been always been a sucker for like odd time seg- signatures, especially when it grooves or it feels right. You know, I don't like it just for, for the sake of being weird. But if this time signature is strange, but it just feels good, I love it. Uh, seven Canadian four parentheses shoreline. That's right, seven four shoreline. Yeah, by Broken Social Scene. This is two thousand. This is also my favorite song of theirs. Yeah, so you picked one. you picked the right one. Here picked we go. a winner. <laughs> Both of you guys um, being big fans of Arcade Fire, I mean, there's you can hear some crossover, um, but they were making albums at the same time. I don't know if they the bands know each other or whatever, but I, I highly recommend to check out both of their albums from this decade. The one, it's a self-titled one, Broken Social Scene, and the other one, You Forgot It in People. I think they're, I love the Funeral album by um, Arcade Fire, and I think that their albums are, are right up there with, with Funeral as a great album of the decade. Mm-hmm. Good, cool pick. It's a, it's a yeah. fun band. They're, they're worth, I think, anybody that's interested in exploring like indie pop, especially mm-hmm. from this decade where, where we talked, it seems like it got smarter. Um, that's a great place to spend some time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know their their complete albums. I know songs here and there from from the albums, but uh, see, they're another one. I'm pretty sure it was my friend Landon that turned me onto them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good stuff. Loved their album that came out a couple of years ago, "Hug of Thunder." It's a it's a great to spend time with as well. Very good song. Very good album. Bravo! Let's hear yours, Jason. Let's hear it. You're up to bat. This one might surprise you. My next two might surprise you. I don't know if they feel like traditional Jason picks, but uh, 
You know what? <laughs> Give me a traditional Jason pick. Come on. I'm freaking sorry. I didn't come to this thing to be surprised. All right. Tell me. <laughs> what? Come on. Tell me. <laughs> see if you can guess what album this comes from. So this album is from 2005. It has contributions from Dennis Hopper, MF Doom, Danger Mouse, and Broken, Nina Cherry. Broken Bells? Nope. You got me. It's, uh, it comes from the album Demon Days by Gorillaz. Oh, Gorillaz. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'm assuming most people know at least of Gorillaz. They've had a couple really big hits. They're kind of an art project from the, uh, what's his name? Damon, is it Damon Alburn, the, the, the lead singer of Blur. They're, it's an art project. He combined with a, uh, with a, like an illustrator and, or a cartoon illustrator. And so they don't really even perform live where people can see them. All their performances are like movie based. It's a, it's a cartoon that they're providing the soundtrack for. And he has this rotating cast of bandmates that, you know, I mean, he's worked with like De La Soul, Delta Funky, Homo Sapien, MF Doom, and then like some really good kind of a lot of like UK, um, artists musicians and he has just this they have this really unique brand of really really infectious pop like he he can create earworms as good as anybody i think and so the song i picked from this album demon days is probably their best album it's a i think it's a just a a great listen like i still go to it regularly the reason it's probably surprising is it's fairly mainstream at least by my standards. And it's like, it's, it's really pure pop, like infectious pop, but it's really smart pop. I think it does some cool stuff. So the song I picked is dare. I feel like it's kind of a a kindred uh, relative to the Tom Tom clubs, genius of love. It's a song when I go out and, and do presentations, when I put on buffer music, when this song comes on, inevitably people kind of collectively are bouncing their head and somebody will come up and say, Oh, I love that song. And mm. it just, it has a way of kind of, kind of uniting people in rhythm. So I, it's one of my favorites. My kids love it. I love it. Um, fire it up. Nice. All right. It's there. Oh. Really? Do they have more hits than Feel Good Inc? 
Yeah, I mean, they had like uh, Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, Feel Good Inc. There, um, they've. I mean, I know you've heard Clint Eastwood off their first. Yeah, one. that's the one I know well. Um, mm. I don't remember this one either, Jason. Um, this is a really good I album. Like if you if you like their style, their aesthetic, I I actually prefer this album. It's a fun album. It's it's really kind of artsy. They do some experimental stuff. So there's a whole track that Dennis Hopper does spoken word on. That's uh, kind of a weirdly cool track. And everything they do, they've just fully committed to the weirdness of what their project is. They, they all embody a character within this cartoon band. And um, like I said, when they perform live, that's what's on the, the screen they'll stand behind sheets you can see their silhouettes playing but you're watching a, a giant cartoon movie you can look up their videos on youtube every video is like a a, a cartoon illustration the cartoon the the video for this is kind of a, a fun one. for nice. for whatever reason i kind of uh have them uh tied in with daft punk yeah i the, could see that uh, Kind of the the similar like anonymity. Daft Punk has the the costumes, the masks. Yeah. Um, and kind of a, I don't I don't know if the music is necessarily similar, but kind of like that that kind of poppy, so repetitive. They, yeah. Like, not not a lot of emotion. Like very emotionally simple, distant. Simple melodies, but really like deep bass just, tracks just that are just trying to make you bounce, make you move, and they almost like in it's they're. That's a good comparison. I think Daft Punk and Gorillaz both almost like embrace the the saccharine side of pop. Like they're not shying away from some right. of the, the really, really poppy stuff, but they right. do it in a way that somehow feels like artistically credible. I, I don't know yeah. really how else to explain it. And it has it just has a cool vibe. It makes it feel like I think pretty um universally interesting for whatever reason, but, but somehow it doesn't repel me like normal yeah. uh, pop would. And so I, I think it's, it's cool how they, they straddle that line. I think it's, it's really art artistic and I love the whole kind of aesthetic of their project yeah. in general. That is an interesting point. Like it is polished, which, which sometimes I know for you, you've mentioned this and similarly sometimes really polished pop music especially when it's just like, here it is, this great song. But but I think there is something to the aesthetic and how it's put forward. There's a sense of they love fun music. And yet, I wonder how much of it is the way they present themselves too that makes it more credible and more open to it. Like if they were a band that looked, you know, that were, I don't know, had the kind of emo haircuts of the, you know, and, and like the kind of, you know what I mean? If they were bleach tips or whatever it was in the in the mid 2000s that people were doing if they looked like dashboard confessional right like <laughs> but they were making that music you might be like uh this is you might still like it if you heard it and be like shocked to see them but you know um yeah, that i don't know that, that's a it's a good question um and maybe you know what there, there there might be some credit that i subliminally give them and daft punk for the the anonymity because part of the the i think repulsion to pop is that yeah, yeah kind of like screaming to be in the limelight and yeah. and obviously both both those groups like, are willing to right to hide um like hide in plain yeah. sight while they're while they're producing really pop but i think there is a yeah. i think there is a, a something about their sound that is 
that is uniquely appealing as well. Yeah. Nice pick. Right. Nice pick. Yeah. So guys, I, I'm struggling. I've got another 2005, but I'm going <laughs> to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it to you guys. I'm going to ask you because I have a 2005 mm-hmm. that I stand behind. It's great. This is where he names them both. I know mm-hmm. exactly or, how this works. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Or I have a 2006 by Bonnie Prince Billy, the only one I for this decade, but we already did three on the quarantine episode. But I want to know, do you want to hear my 2006 from Bonnie Prince Billy, or do you want to hear my 2005 from a related artist that you probably haven't heard? I want you to pick the song that you truly believe in your heart deserves to be preserved in outer space for this decade. Oh, I'm going to, okay, I'll go with Bonnie Prince Billy, 2006. Um, his album called uh, The Letting Go. And the song called I Called You Back. It's a nice, romantic, slow ballad. For I the record, I feel really good about this because it seems like it would be a crime for you not to send a Bonnie Prince Billy song into outer space. Right. Well, I was going to try to pull one over on you by doing 2000s Johnny Cash cover uh-huh. of Bonnie Prince Billy where he sings backup vocals. But this is a, I think this is the more appropriate pick. I missed my 2000 chance with that, but, <laughs> but yeah. So we'll go 2006, Bonnie Prince Billy, I called you back from the letting go. And I called you Beside me And I called you That's all we have You will find We need nothing more And I call you back To a place Beside me So, who's the uh, who's the the female vocalist he's singing with? Her name is Dawn. I think Dawn McCartney. Uh, she's from a band called Fawn Fables, and he recorded. She's she sings backup on most of this album, or it's not even backup all the time. A lot of times, it's is just that a real band? Duos. Fawn Fables. Sounds like, some, sounds like a band that would show up on the Tim and Eric show. <laughs> I never really listened to them much, but yes, they are a real band. And 
but yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about their music other than I think she's the lead singer. I'm guessing. Do you like this album better than I See a Darkness? Um, uh, I wouldn't say I like it better. I, I, I mean, he's in my top three musicians of all time that I list that I listen to for sure. Um, at least in the last 20 years. And, um, there's so many albums I have. I definitely have some that are favorites and mm-hmm. listen to more than others. But those two are top five for me both. We know. I, I'm, I, I like that you've, you've represented him so consistently yeah. on episodes here. I, I think it's an artist that um, yeah. deserves more credit. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think it would, it would pay dividends for people to explore what he's yeah. recorded. Yeah. What's not to like about this stuff? Yeah. This is fantastic. It's interesting because this this song, he's got songs like this, and he has an, a whole album that every song to me is so beautiful. But then he's got albums where it's like, it sounds like he's drunk, or it sounds like the instruments themselves are drunk, right? Those are like, especially his 90s albums under Palace Brothers. It's very, very lo-fi and those albums, some of those albums are actually the critics love the best. It's like his 90s stuff, the Palace Brothers, Palace Music, leading up to his first Bonnie Prince Billy song album, which was I See a Darkness in 99. Um, but even in those ones that are kind of, there's songs that are harder to listen to, there's gems that are just like the most beautiful, authentic thing you've heard, you know. Um, so he's definitely worth checking out, but I also think he's not for everyone. I think there's a certain, some people just love something that's idiosyncratic and I don't love it, you know? And I think that sometimes I've shared the music with other people and they just, they're like, yeah. Um, but this is the, actually the album I shared with my friend Drew Brindley when he then shared Sufjan Stevens with me. So that yeah, would have been 2006. I, I think you're... You're you're probably downplaying. I think how good he is. I, I wouldn't describe him as idiosyncratic. I would describe yeah. him as almost overly thoughtful. It, he's mm-hmm. not somebody that I think you can casually listen to. Right. Um, if you casually casually listen to him, I, I think it will be boring in a lot of cases. Right. Right. But if you'll if you actually dig in and really kind of explore. The ingredients. I mean, there's a lot. At the risk of sounding obnoxious and pretentious, there is a lot of nuance and a lot of subtlety that yeah. I think you kind of have to concentrate on to to appreciate. Right. Yeah. Is, is this sure. the kind of thing that you think there could be crossover appeal, or maybe there is with the like country music fans? Yeah, this there was one of my picks for. Like him I wonder that if I, I play this share. kind of thing in my outdoor video class at Payson High, if the if the dudes are gonna be digging yeah. this. He's the, definitely. The test would be you have to put up a picture of somebody that looks like a, a country western artist. Like yeah. if you put up a picture of him, <laughs> uh, they'd probably immediately be turned off. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends what picture he's got. Some there's a, images true. of him with his handlebar mustache and he does have a good beard and a good. He's mustache got some of that, times. but yeah, he he's he did a whole album. One of my favorite albums of his is called Greatest Palace Music. It's a Bonnie Prince Billy album, but he's covering all his older or not all of it, but he's covering some of his favorite songs um, from ten years before. But he does it with 
brand new arrangements with all Nashville musicians. It's a, it's basically a country album, but it doesn't play like a top four country album. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a great, Do you know what his influences are like, what kind of stuff was he listening to? Merle Haggard is a big one for him. Like the, the, the kind of outlaws of country, but he was also like a, he's probably like Steve Ricks's age. So he was like an eighties kid. You know what I mean? In terms but of Haggard is one of those, like Haggard is outlaw country with heart. Like it, there's yes. a lot of heart and a lot of ballad yeah. in Merle Haggard yeah. that, that, right. that you can hear. Like that makes sense. Actually a ton of sense to me. I had no idea, but I can totally picture yeah. that. Yeah. A lot of country, but he also, he did a cover album of, he did a cover. He's done so many different things. He did a cover album of Merle Haggard songs. Of, I think more rare Haggard. He did a cover album with that same female singer of Everly Brothers. Um, so he's got eclectic tastes. Uh, you know, I follow him on like Instagram and he'll post during the quarantine. He's been posting. He's been actually just recording songs that he's playing, you know, for his kind of, which is cool. Cause he, before that he was very more, not, not, you know, just posting weird stuff every few months. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he's he'll he'll record he'll I think he's got a lot of strange, different, diverse tastes, and I don't know beyond some of those things. He's covered he's covered a Mariah Carey song. He's covered R. Kelly, I think ironically, but also not in a way. The R. Kelly one's a little more problematic now, but he's he's got some interesting interesting output for sure. Cool. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah. Yep. So I've got a 2006. Let's hear it. Okay. What you got coming? Um, this might be the uh, the biggest hit on my my list. Uh, everybody that was alive during during this year knew knew this song. Um, for me, these guys kind of came out of nowhere. This is Gnarls Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, was uh, CeeLo Green doing stuff before this? Oh, yeah. He was part of the Outcast. Dungeon yeah. Mob family. He's part of the Dungeon family out of Atlanta. He mm-hmm. did okay. some stuff. He has a really cool track he does with De La Soul. He was he was doing a lot of production stuff. He's kind of like a Kanye West figure where mm-hmm. he was doing production stuff early on, and then he got on the mic because he's got that really like really strong falsetto that he can do that that works really well. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is him and. DJ Danger Mouse, right? Yes. Um, and it seems like they just kind of got together just to to kind of screw around and ended up making these huge hits. It always felt like that with Danger Mouse. He had a really yep. strong run in the 2000s, yeah, yeah. but I think Danger Mouse was no dummy. I think he yeah. was being really deliberate with the guy, the people he was getting together to goof around with. I mean, he was right. making like pretty focused projects. It was always fun. Like it felt self-indulgent usually, but it was, he's a, he's a, he knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, A song with him, uh, with Danger Mouse and MF Doom from their collaboration CD was on my, my just barely cut list from the Danger Doom album. Yeah. Great album. So yeah, I'm going with their, their big hit from, uh, from this album, St. Elsewhere song is crazy. Um, and, uh, to me, this just represents the best of what, you know, the actual pop, the popular music was, was able to do. Um, and it kind of harkens back, like 
seems like this is the closest the 2000s has to something like Earth, Wind & Fire or Stevie Wonder or that kind of just like really feel good, um, but also musically um, invigorating. I don't know. And I, I remember seeing them play on the talk shows and they had like just this whole presentation, you know, the costumes, the yeah. the, mm-hmm. the horn section, the dance moves. It it was the whole package, and it was just so much fun, um, and kind of, kind of going against the grain of what seemed like most, most popular music was doing at the time, of, uh, I don't know, just trying to be vulgar. Yeah, <laughs> CeeLo Green did that in his other songs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so here we go, "Crazy" by Gnarls Barkley. all know the song it's a catchy it's, song it's i never i never heard that one before who'd you say it was? <laughs> do you know what the thing that i take away listening to that right then and i knew the song was catchy and and well made and i know the song so well but listening to it i'm just like danger mouse is a great producer mm-hmm. like he's i just i really love the sounds that he puts together the the fullness he gets out of the sounds but there's a minimalist quality to it there's nothing that's too much i think he's one of the best producers from that decade yeah he doesn't lean on filler he just has a great ear for catchy hooks yeah and uh, i love CeeLo green's voice yeah he's got a great voice there's a ton of fun songs on this album go go gadget gospel smiley faces um necromancer is that a rush cover oh i hope must be it's gotta be (laughs) it is (laughs) <laughs> Didn't we listen to like ten minutes of that in a in an earlier yeah. episode of this podcast? Uh, they oh, do have yeah. a uh, Violent Femmes cover, "Gone Got Gone Daddy Gone." So it's a it's a fun album worth checking out. Yeah, whoa! Again, smart pop. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. You know, one that was again cut this this you know the Outcast connection, but smart pop. Everyone heard it all over the place. It's not on my list, but hey, yeah. By uh, Andre, yeah, Andre three thousand. I, I just I thought you guys were going to have that in there. I I cut it barely, but it was it was ubiquitous, you know, for the decade. Yeah. It definitely represents the what, decade. What year was that one? I think it was two thousand three. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was on. I can't remember the name of the album, but Speaker Box and the Love Below. Yeah. So they they kind of it was an interesting project. It was a double a double album, a double CD. Basically, each CD was like a solo CD for right. each member, and so yeah, yeah. It um, I that's why I went with the the 
the one that I picked just because I liked the the collaborative effort a little bit better. Yeah. But it's a cool it's a a, a cool kind of point in in Outcast history, and that it song yeah. just transcended like everything. It transcended. Yes. It, it worked its way into like every every corner of culture. Every corner. And I, I think it was one of those songs that even though it got played over and over, for me, it was a song that I felt like it deserve. I'm glad it's so popular. It deserves that. It's like, you know, those bands that they have the credibility, but they're also, they just hit gold where they do something so, so catchy, so poppy, but good. I love that one. I actually yeah. love Big Boy's hit from his album too. The I like the way you move. I loved that yeah. song too. They were both great. Andre 3000 is another one. He's got, I think he has like talent comparable to almost like Prince. He's very unique in how he sees the world, but he likes to, he likes to always kind of straddle that line of, of catchy and poppy, but also like yeah. just enough uniqueness. I think that's part of what made Hey Ya cool. It was, Did you guys see Pete Davidson's stuff. Andre 2000 song? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. Very good. Well done. Good okay, pick, who's Brandon. Next? I, I don't have anything until 2007. And I don't have anything until 2008, so I'll shut up for a little bit. Go for it, Jason. Oh, it's me? Yep. All right. This is another, this is probably my other kind of surprising pick. Um, this is, geez, this is pure pop. It, um, Probably took on a, a big life, maybe similar to maybe some similarities to your Gnarls Barkley pick. Um, so this one, it's a cool song. This is my protest song. I told you every decade I'll find some protest song. This is my protest song. And it's, it is a straight up pop song that I think is super, super cool. And I didn't realize early on until I, spent a little more time with it, trying to figure out what exactly it was trying to say. I didn't even realize that it was kind of like a, a, a protest song. Anyway, I picked um, MIA's Paper Planes. Oh, nice. Um, she's, from, uh, she's from the United Kingdom. She is, uh, how, how would you say it? Sri Lankan? I don't know. Sri Lankan. Yeah, Sri Lankan. Uh, Sri Lankan descent by way of United Kingdom. She was struggling to get uh, a work visa in the early 2000s. There kind of became this elevated American fear of, of Middle Eastern culture around there and anybody that kind of resembled that. And she was frustrated with uh, her struggles getting a work, obtaining a work visa to work in the United States, and then just general kind of American perceptions of of immigrant workers. And so she decided to just obnoxiously kind of thumb her nose and make this satire. And so when you listen to it, the chorus, which became really famous, it was in Pineapple Express, it was in Slumdog Millionaire. The chorus is, well, and really the whole song is her taking on this persona that she knows Americans think of her when they see her and saying, all right, that's right. This is all I'd like to do. And so it's a, it's a, I think it's a cool, clever way to be subversive in a, in a catchy poppy way. I, I think the whole kind of story and, and everything about it. And then it's a cool catchy song. I love, I love how they put together the chorus with the samples Diplo, a guy named Diplo produced it and it's a, it's a cool song. I fly like 
Tire has like a certain swagger to it that they just lean into. I mean, that's what Colbert was doing at the Colbert Report. It was um, there's a there's there's something just I think funny about it, and and this song has that, but it's also got a cool tune. The sample comes from a a Clash track called Straight to Hell, and I love the Clash, and I thought it was a really kind of clever and creative um, way to to make a a pop song out of sampling. I've, I think I've already exposed my my enjoyment of good sampling uh, through some of my other picks. And I, I just thought this was really smart and really um, poppy, like in a, in a consumable way. And it's the, the whole thing comes together nice. I think it's a great track. Very nice. Well, so well said. I, uh, I heard about this one from... Uh, pitchforks their list of top songs from from the decade so i i put it on my list so that i'd be aware of it but it uh i don't know it didn't stand out to me so i'm you had I'm never curious. heard that before uh-huh. i'm surprised that one was another one that i heard all over and um yeah i thought it was, i guess i didn't I it was hear massive it. yeah but i guess i didn't hear it on the radio maybe i did hear it on the radio but i heard it I guess it was on a lot of playlists or, or CD mixes that I were going around in family and friends and things. I, it, yeah. So, like, I haven't looked up the lyrics or anything, and I, I couldn't understand what she was saying necessarily. All I um, want to do is bang, 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 and take your money. It's <laughs> 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 funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you're saying it's a, it's a satire of like gangster rap or no, no, what, what's it's. A, it's basically her saying, this is who you think I am. So I'm just going to make a song in the most kind of obnoxious, oh. overt way saying, I'm a dark-skinned woman of mm-hmm. Sri Lankan d- descent. And all I want to do is come shoot my guns and take your money. Mm. And um, the paper planes are like fake visas, the whole thing is just her mm-hmm. being obnoxious. Like, okay. Yeah. Almost like a, a teenager frustrated saying, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And, mm-hmm. and so it was her response. I, so I, I, th- I think it's cool, but I think it's actually a really good song anyway. Like it's catchy. Yeah. I still remember it from, I think it was in 
the Pineapple Express trailer. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I still remember it's the slow walk and it, it just has that, that swagger. It did. It made, it made the trailer. trailer and I think it actually almost created more interest in the movie. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure it did. That. Like I can yeah. still vividly remember seeing that. Yeah. No, I remember that song very much like, like the Narles Barkley song that Brandon picked, like um, the uh, Hey Ya song. To me, they're very iconic of that decade in terms of pop songs that I heard a lot. And I loved that one. That was a, that was a fun one. Uh, has she done a lot of other stuff? That's definitely her, the, the, biggest, the biggest mark she's left. So she worked with Diplo, who is, there are some kind of electronic and dance producers that, um, like if you go and look at their biggest hits on YouTube, they have like hundreds of millions of views, like views that you cannot comprehend. And Diplo is one of those. Mm-hmm. And so he'll go out and he'll do these DJ shows and uh, it probably wouldn't be appealing to you, Brandon. It's, it's, it feels like a younger person's game. And well, that's probably offensive. You're not a, you're a younger, you're young. I mean, you just hiked down a mountain for heaven's sake. Um, but no, he's got, it feels he's got an old soul. Dip, got an Diplo, old. Like, Diplo is not appealing to me. I, I was projecting very much. Diplo is not appealing to me. He does not make music that appeals to me. He, make, he makes music that I feel like probably appeals more to, to millennials than Generation Xers. Um, but, and so I passed him off. And, and I've done this to a couple of people from his same kind of um, track but he does really have a good ear. And I think this song was the perfect combination of connected to a movie, connected to a Mm -hmm. great producer that had a massive, massive online presence, like not necessarily top 40 stuff, but massive online presence. And then a, a really good infectious song. She hasn't duplicated anything like that since her other stuff is good. I, I don't think it's, it's that good, but but, you know, she found that song. She made that song that's going to last for decades. I think 40 years from now, people are still going to have an idea of what that song is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good call. Cool. 2007. Who else? No, I've got two more 2007s, dude. Oh, oh that's right. Well, you want me to, it's all do, you then. Uh, do you want me to knock them all out? Well, I, yeah, I don't have any until I, 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 I just did a little revision, but you might have one of mine. <laughs> so. This is unbelievable. <laughs> So you go ahead, Jason. I'll follow up with my 2007 after you do your next one. Well, I just did one. You go for it, dude. But what if you have mine and then I don't, I don't want to use it? And then oh, I wanna... come on, George. Grow a pair, all right? <laughs> is a, well, well, wouldn't you like to be the first one so that you can <laughs> effectively okay, dibs, dibs the song? I had initially crossed it off my list and replaced it with a different one. But then when I thought, which song do I actually like better? I decided to stick with it. 2007 from MGMT's album, Oracular Spectacular. Oh, the, song, the song is Electric Feel. It's, to me, one of the catchiest, poppiest songs of the decade. Now that we're on the kind of catchy, poppy track of things. Um, MGMT, I don't really know much about them other than I think they met in college back in New England, maybe in Boston, something like that. And they, um, you know, friends started making music together and put together an album that was really solid. Um, 
they haven't had the follow-up success, but this album is one of, to me, the, the better albums of the decade. And this song is one of the best pop songs of the decade to me. Indie pop, but I think it was on the radio some. It was, but definitely in the indie pop. So uh, this will surprise you. I, I was all in early on MGMT like yeah. from, from day one. And then right. they, they started getting a little bit popular. And I immediately sure. was like, nah, I'm done. I believe it. I believe it. You hate those. You hate the popularity. I'm so mad. As soon as they get popular, you're, you're pissed off. Like nah, I'm good. And you know what I do then? Well, once they funny. are too big for Kilby Court, Jason doesn't want to go. He's like, I'm so done. this is this is a safe place, right? I can be totally honest here. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. is. I'm going to tell you the truth. This is exactly what I do, and it's totally unfair. But it's just what happens. So. They get a little bit popular. I go, no, I'm done. And then immediately I start convincing myself that they weren't ever as good as I that thought. That they were them. never good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, eh, they weren't even that good. It's confirmation bias. I just, bias. I just yes. freaking move on. And I convince <laughs> myself of how right I was about yeah. it. <laughs> well, this, this song, Electric Feel, it was when I crossed it off in my head, I was going to go with I think Animal you're safe with Guided by Voices then, Jason. Yeah. I was going to go you with Animal safe Collection. You'll feel safe Sorry. I was going to go with I was going to go with My Girls from Animal Collective instead as a as an alternative kind of indie electronic type There he song. goes again. He's already this that's but, the 15th no, I'm not, song I'm not he's listed. It. I'm not doing it. I was going to do that for Brandon. Yeah, let me let me list all Brandon. the songs. Let me list so all the songs you, that I didn't Let me tell you my reasoning. Pick. Let me tell you my reasoning. <laughs> and then I I went back on it, but my reasoning was cuz I thought okay, I got to have some more uplifting messages for Brandon. <laughs> that was the reason. <laughs> and the animal, animal collectives, my girls, I'm like, that's more uplifting than electric feel by MGMT. That's animal a little collective, more, by the way, was 2009. Like you're not even speaking in the, in 2007, no, no, no. you're jumping ahead of yourself. I'm just man. saying that's what I, that's what I've, that's what my reversal took place. So that the animal collective song is no longer. On list. How do you know MGMT. me and Brandon didn't pick animal collective? Well, maybe you did. Good for you if you did. I like I like the that song a lot. Brandon, are you ready? MGMT? I'm ready to play this. Let's hear we, it. Can I hit play? Let's okay, here we go. I'm say one thing. Listen with open ears, Jason. Listen like it's the first time you've heard it, and just try. Right. See I'm what happens. I got it. You got it. You got it.
There we go. There we got the verse and the chorus. I think one of the things Love I like about that song and about a good pop song is that you, the verse has to be strong and the chorus has to be strong and the transition in between has to be satisfying. And it has to it has to help you go, yes, that was supposed got too, to happen. You got it's, too high of a bar there, George. You, you're talking like that you got to have a strong himself. verse and a strong chorus? No, and... I don't know anyone and, that can... No, no, you left out the most important part. And the transition has to be uh-huh. yeah. satisfying. Yeah. Satisfying. And when I so, say satisfying, I don't mean you're just content with it. I mean, you're saying to yourself, that's exactly what was supposed to happen right there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, uh, it's and a it's good like song. And it's like you've heard it the first time. It remember, I, I remember what, I, what eventually turned me off about it. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're doing 80s performance. Like they got together mm-hmm. and they were like, we should make an 80s song. Sure. Yeah. And I, I, there was this thing that happened in like, there was this weird eighties resurgence. It reminds me of a line. um, So this will be fun. I'm going to pull it. Jordan, a song I didn't pick called losing my edge by LCD sound system. He has this, James Murphy has this great line. He says, I'm losing my edge to the art school Brooklynites in little jackets and borrowed nostalgia for the unremembered 80s. It's such a snarky line. And yeah. Um, yeah. that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, this is their unremembered 80s, and they're making an mm-hmm. 80s track. Yeah. Um, it's a good song. I, I should give it more of a chance, and I should probably revisit the album and see if I can I can make peace with it, because I'm, I'm certain that it's a better album than I'm... I'm giving it credit for in my mind. Yeah. Well, there's... there's I, I've never heard this one before. They're fo- and what did you think, Brandon? I thought it was great. Yeah. Their uh, it's, album wasn't as good. And their live, they went live and they tried to do the songs live. And that was way. their, was that their first good. album? That was their first album, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. They had kind of that, the classic sophomore slump. It just right. got kind of mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got, got two another. more. I got two more 2007s, in fact. Do it. Okay. One of them Dude. better be a female or you're gone. <laughs> Actually, there is a female in this next one. Uh, you don't really hear from her. You hear her play the, the piano. You hear her fingers. Um, 2007, I just casually re- referenced them earlier when I quoted from uh, the mastermind behind this project. It's uh, LCD Sound System. The song is All My Friends off of the Sound of Silver album, one of the best albums of the decade. Um, this was another one. So this one's funny. I um, I fought tooth and nail against this, the, these guys. It's, so it's a James Murphy project. And James Murphy kind of found popularity later in life. I think he was in his 30s when he, when he kind of started to be known. He started by releasing a, a YouTube-only clip, I think, called Losing My Edge. And I almost picked that song. It's, uh, I think it's one of the smartest written songs of the last 20 years. There's so much to unpack in it. And that he kind of put after to that. listen to more than once. I like it actually. Think? Hmm. I'd still like it. I, I don't uh, want to hear him do that whole thing again. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm endlessly intrigued by it. There's so many references of bands and just clever statements in it. He's being obnoxious, but yeah, um, it just, it just makes me think he, he worries too much. But I, so that's partially why I think I could relate to it because it's that stage of life. It's like that wistfulness of Wilco. It's that kind of late age angst of, like, who, who am I? Have I officially lost my edge? Like, I deal with that. I live with that. Um, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I'm 
probably being too. You need to resurrect. You need to resurrect the GVP. Uh, no, that's the. <laughs> trust me, that's the last thing I need to do. Um, is that I guess that's. I guess that's off? why I don't relate to the song as much because the answer is a resounding yes. <laughs> of course it is, but it's not fun. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, so I fought tooth and nail against these guys. Like I wanted to pass them off as stupid dance music, and my friend Landon and I, we had a. Um, kind of a blog exchange that went on for years. And we wrote like 30 pages back and forth debating the merits of LCD sound system. And wow. so what I, what I did to prove how right I was, and because I'm such a dumbass about certain stuff, I created, they only released three albums. I went through and tracked every song and I created a basketball shot chart, like from an NBA game. <laughs> and I took each song oh and I gosh. said, is this a three point shot? Is this a mid range jumper or is this a layup based on how um, ambitious it was? And, and I tracked it all. And then I marked down if it was a success, then it counted as a make. And if I thought it was a failure, then it counted as a miss. And I was going to prove an air ball. Yeah, so I was going to prove or, so or a layup, and layup you calculated shot. their percentage. You calculated, <laughs> yeah, you I did. Calculate their field goal I calculated their shot percentage, percentage. <laughs> and I ended up putting it together. And I sat and looked at it, and I was like, I'll be damned, they've got a really high shot percentage. And <laughs> I freaking totally did a 180 on them. And, and thanks to Landon for really pushing me on it because they're oh really, goodness. really good. And it, it was this is a band that has like really positively impacted my life after I finally um, let them in a little bit. And I think this, I think sound of silver is a, one of the best albums of the decade. Um, All my friends is a, just a cool, a wistful song again, fired up. You can jump to about the 55 second mark. Um, If you don't, then we'll get a classic Brandon drop of when does the song start? Um, it's just an endless piano loop for 55 seconds. But after 55 seconds, it gets freaking cool. Back to your 
so there's a there's like an honesty in our heart. He's a little similar to Bowie and Beck in that he bounces a lot between styles and sounds, and he brings in a lot of interesting sounds. And a lot of times, it, it similar to Beck and Bowie, it doesn't necessarily feel like you're hearing like an honesty to his voice. It feels like he's experimenting with styles. This is one of his songs that I, I feel like there's there's just kind of a real purity to who he was in that moment of time, and it happened to be a moment in time that I, I think I could relate to a little bit, probably because of, of similar age. And um, it's cool; it just does it for me. I just found my shot chart. Um, I'm going to send you guys a picture of this. I've got the stats <laughs> friggin' right here. So I called That's all my friends. We, we need a picture of that on on the blog. Oh, I'm oh, gonna yeah. send it. So all my Absolutely. friends, it was a deep three. It was um, it was about four feet behind the line. So here's the stats: um, two point field goals. They went 15 for 24, 62.5 percent um, shooting percentage, which is really good. Uh, anything above 50 is great. Three point field goal. This is what really makes them brilliant. They I, they had 10 songs that were like three point attempts. They freaking went 10 for 10. They were 100 percent on their ambitious Woo-hoo! songs. Wow. Um, Overall field goal percentage, that's 25 for 34, 73.52% true shooting percentage. They freaking knocked it out of the park. That's a hell of a, that's like a Larry Bird performance, man. Are you going to send that to James Murphy? Because I think he might like that. If anybody can get me in contact with him, I'll be happy to share Send that. it to him. Send it to his agent or something. I'm sending you guys the picture of this. It's one of my greatest creations. That's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, bad news though, Jason. Um, I saw like twenty kids at my school wearing an LCD sound system shirt. Reels? Yeah. So I think popular. they're getting really popular. So one Uh-oh. of the most—I don't believe maybe thirty you. kids. One here's one of the it's most all depressing. Over, like. <laughs> one of the one of the most depressing days in my life. So we've talked about it. Um, so I'm I'm a I'm a school psychologist. I work with kids. So I'm working at a junior high. Um, after I finally went in on these guys and it's I don't know it's probably 2012-ish or something and I prided myself because there's this thing when you work in education early on you're like the young and cool educator that kids are willing to talk to you feel really good about yourself the kids make you feel young and then there's this thing that inevitably happens you cross the threshold where they stop looking at you as like the young cool guy and you're just another old guy and mm-hmm. so I would listen to music. Like that was part of the, how I would do one-on-one therapy sessions, group therapy, I always bring a music into it. And I was exchanging songs with a kid. And um, it was a kid that had, seemed like they, they had pretty good, pretty open taste. And I was like, all right, I'm going to hit them with an LCD sound system song. Um, this will be cool. This will be hip. And I freaking play a song. I don't even remember what one. Like, it might've been Dance Yourself Clean or something. And the kid listens to it. And after 30 seconds, he's like, that sounds like, is that like classic rock or something? <laughs> and I was so devastated. Like I immediately felt 20 years older than I was. And I was yeah. like, it's happened. I officially crossed the threshold. I was like freaking Moonlight Graham and Field of Dreams walking over that line and turning from a young person to an old guy. I could never go mm-hmm. back. I was done. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it feels strange, doesn't it? 
awful. It's the worst. To be old and not cool. Although, if you were never cool, like at least you were cool, Jason. Both of you guys, you were cool at one point. So it's got to be harder. I was never cool, and so it's it a little not, easier. That for is me. not true. <laughs> it's I, a little easier for. Disagree with that. Nobody us. buys that for a sec. <laughs> All right, you want me to get my other 2007 out of the way? I'll go faster on Let's this. Let's hear All it. Right. Let's hear it. All right. Um, so I originally had uh, the album, the song and album that Jordan just freaking name dropped, like he always does mm-hmm. from uh, Animal mm-hmm. Collective. But I decided there's a piece of Animal Collective that I actually like a little bit better um, than than Animal Collective in that album. The the album he referenced is uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion. It's mm-hmm. like pretty critically acclaimed for that decade. Um, one of the members of Animal Collective is a dude that goes by the name Panda Bear, which is a such a such a lame name <laughs> for, a, <laughs> for a rock musician or whatever pop musician. But um, he put out an album in 2007 called Person Pitch that I actually like a little bit better than Meriwether Post Pavilion. I like them both. I'm, I'm all in on mm-hmm. them. Um, but Person Pitch is, it's, they're, they're cool. We talked a little bit, I think, on the Quarantunes episode. You've seen a picture now. of this guy? Yeah. Makes sense that he has that name. <laughs> like, it feels like a, like a, a guy that would, would show up to, um, <laughs> like, a, what are those conventions? Like a furry convention or something, like. The whole thing is just off-putting, but um, he, anyway, we talked in one of the Quarantunes episodes about, like, that purity of voice that the Beach Boys had, and, you know, is is that around? Does that still exist? And these guys do have a real purity to their voice, and they bring in, like, some choral elements where it almost feels like they're singing hymns, like pop hymns in a, in a weird way, and it's really mm. cool. So I picked the song Bros. From uh, because we're all bros, right? From uh, that's right. From Person pitch by Panda Bear, and it's uh, there's a lot of depth, a lot of layer to it. It's a super cool song. I like it slightly better than than anything on the the Meriwether Post. a lot of like layered harmonies with himself um obviously very highly influenced by by brian wilson and kind yeah. of that that each yeah you sound. can hear it strong in that one for sure 
Good pick. I'm glad that uh, Jason, that you, that they are um, represented in the decade because they're an important band. I think it, towards the end of the decade, especially. Whether I mean, this isn't, of course, Animal Collective, but it's, I think, similar enough that because um, isn't Panda Bear isn't he kind of the driving force, or is it two two guys in Animal Collective that are equally part of it? Do you know the answer? I don't, I'm not sure how what what the the ratio of driving force is but i know yeah. he's a, a big influence you can hear yeah. it very much like right like at it, 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 some point it's almost indistinguishable yeah the, the panda bear gets a little more like dense with electronic piece or excuse me mm-hmm. the animal collective gets a little more dense with yeah yeah um but it's cool it's that it's it's unapologetically pop but it, mm-hmm. it somehow is a just kind of a, a smarter more complex version of that's why I was Very surprised cool. yeah. when I went back cool through stuff. my whole list. Like, it, this is by far the poppiest list that I created mm-hmm. of, of any of the decades. And I don't know if it says more about me and where I was at that decade or if it says more about the music of that decade or maybe a combination of both. But somehow my list came out really, really um, unquestionably a pop list. Yeah. That is well, you had all you had like aha uh-huh and tears for fears and all that stuff on your eighties list. That's pretty popular. <laughs> I did have it's tears for fears society. on my. Uh, I had tears for fears in the Human League on my uh, on my honorable mentions. Yeah. No aha uh-huh, though. Tears for fears mm. are pretty great. They're pretty great. All right, um, who's up? Where are we at? Uh, I've got I, an oh wait. I've got an 08 too. How many do you have left, Brandon? Three. Okay, let's have you go first then. <laughs> okay. Um, well, Jordan was uh, mentioning our our lack of female representation. Um, so let's uh, let's listen to some Beyonce. How about oh, that? All right. 2008. She she had a hit called "Single Ladies," ah. which uh, I think is a dynamite song. Um, also in, I think, do any of our lists have really any representation of like the pop diva genre? Like we all you know, kind of avoided. I, that was something I actually regretted about the eighties. I, I, I took Whitney Houston off at the last minute and I really, I think she, I love. I, think I, text, I texted I really you guys. My wife listened to the eighties episode and I didn't yeah. know she was listening right. to it. And she, I, I, she yelled at me from the from the other room, uh, like randomly. I was so confused, and she just yells out of the blue, "How could you guys? How the hell could you guys not keep get Madonna on your '80s list?" And um, yeah, she was she bothered that we did not, songs. Yeah, that we didn't capture the the '80s diva, right. deep female, female, or the '90s. I took Mariah Carey off my '90s list. I was going to have one of her songs represented, but, but yeah, yeah. But I mean that that's a whole. Uh, Whole, I don't know if that's even a, a genre necessarily, but whole world of music that's huge that we haven't haven't really represented. Maybe sure. since the fifties or early sixties, maybe maybe Etta James right. fits in that mold. But um, and I would guess part of it is that we tend to lean towards people that are also writing their own music, not just performing it, and seems like mo- most of the the pop divas are you know other people are writing it for them maybe that's a reason um 
Yeah, I, I do like a lot of that stuff. Um, this this song in particular stands out to me. Um, I know she wrote it with with some other people, but Beyonce's involved in the writing of it. And I don't know a ton about about her songs, but you know, I've I've heard the the hits played. And I was as I was re-listening to stuff from the decade um, of the you know the Spotify type stuff that that was coming up of like big hits from from the 2000s this was one of the few that i was like oh this this one's actually really good um i also like her it might have been her first solo hit the uh uh crazy in love crazy in love that's 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 a freaking my good song. favorite of hers yeah it's a really good one <clears throat> uh i really like what they're doing with the instrumentation on both the songs i like kind of the retro feel of the crazy in love with the the horn section samples that they've got in there mm-hmm. uh and and it's cool hearing uh, Jay Z come in for for his verse. Yeah. Um, but uh, I chose this one over that because I I also like the uh, the theme of the the lyrics and kind of the the reason it, it was written. Um, the guy that that she wrote it with, he was. I think he he said it was while they were in the studio, and I don't know if they if. Jay Z and Beyonce were already married at this point, but he noticed that um, he I, I I could be remember that's wrong, but my memory is that he he's noticing just this this trend of a like lack of commitment in in uh, uh, males of the the generation, um, and so was was sensing the frustration with that and and. Beyonce liked that as well. So, yeah, I thought it was an interesting um just difference in what uh, what most pop songs were doing at the time where where, you know, it seems like talking about marriage is so 50s, 60s Beach Boys kind of stuff where uh now like in the 2000s it's more celebrating the uh, the one night stand. Mm-hmm. So, um here we go. Single Let's ladies, it. Beyonce. So many interesting uh, instrument choices going on in this song. Yeah, like the the constant hand clapping for the percussion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the way those uh, like first that bass comes in at the the first part of the mm-hmm. chorus, and then that really like menacing organ and the yeah the second repeat of it. 
like every time it kind of catches I'm like wow that's a really cool sound and the way they've mixed her voice like with all the is it all her singing I don't know but I will say I've never listened to the song that I remember like this without seeing the video that I can remember anyway and I feel like I'm noticing the sounds that you're talking about for the first time the, visual- yeah, the video the video definitely so distracted from the music yeah, 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 yeah. And the video is such a hit that it's so iconic. It's, yeah, it became a yeah, Saturday Night really Live skit. It became it yeah. was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. She is kinda, an important act from the from the decade, though. I mean, it, her, and then of course starting with Destiny Child. But she's she's a very powerful force from the from the last twenty years, really, in yeah. popular music and pop culture. Yeah. Great voice, super talented, and just lots of cool stuff going on in these in these songs, vocally and and musically. So, yeah, I think that's one that that should be preserved and also represent the uh, the the pop diva. The pop diva. Yeah, nice. I remember reading Fill, a thing. fills that spot it, in the lineup. It seems yeah. like there was some debate about how generously she was giving herself writing credit on some songs. She usually has like a massive team of writers. Um, right. Some debate as to like how much any any one of them did, but how much is it her? Yeah, yeah, but I think she really with Lemonade. I think she really kind of proved herself and 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 probably proved some of the people that wrote her off as just a pop act. Like mm. as as somebody with some some depth and complexity, it, mm-hmm. it, it, all it took was an affair by her husband to to piss her off enough to <laughs> to put that that album out. Right. She uh, her fans are as you guys might may or may, or may not know are kind of rabidly right. Uh, the, what do they call them? The Bayhive. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting because. Uh, there's times where I've said, Oh, I'll listen to some Beyonce. I get to check out more of her stuff. And I've all like, I haven't found her music actually that compelling overall in terms of wanting to listen to it or feeling like it's catchy or something like that. And so there's, there's hits here and there that I'm like, Oh, this is a good song. Mm-hmm. But overall, I've, I've felt like a disconnect from the music itself. Um, but I think as a person, I admire her and kind of her voice and her strength and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think that's a, a great pick for the song to go on the record. Well done, Brandon. You've got two more, Brandon, and I've got one more. Is that where we're at? Yep. And you're done, and- Jason? Heck yeah, I am. Jason's All just right. here to, to to help us along the way. I'm just <laughs> sure to make fun of your remaining picks, so go ahead. Hit me with I'm your sure best shot. I'm the finish line. So do you well, have another 2008, Brandon? Do you want to go? Do you have one more 2008? No, I've got two 2009s. Okay, so I'll go. Um, so I didn't as of yet, I hadn't had any hip hop tracks from this whole decade, which was hard because there was a lot of, there's a lot of good hip hop that came out in this decade. Um, and I won't mention any names because you guys hate that when I mention who I didn't oh, put come on, on. So I'm not going to say, <laughs> I'm not going to say the person that I'm thinking of that I didn't put on here. This is, I'm going to, I don't know if you like this artist or not, um, Jason, but I'm putting this on there for Brandon because I know Brandon and I love this too. I love, you know, if you can have a song that has like feels good, is uplifting, has a good message, and it's cool, then then the more the merrier. You know, I like my dark stuff. I like my edgy stuff, like James Murphy, who doesn't want to lose his edge. You know, I can. There's a hip hop, a British hip hop act named The Streets, that was they released five albums, four of them in the 2000s, um, 
the main person in the streets. It's the music project. It's his music project. His name is Mike Skinner. And he's a white dude from, I don't know where in, in England. Um, but he released an album in 2008 called everything is borrowed. And I want to play uh, for us the, the title track to that song. Everything is borrowed. And I'll just say what he said about it. Um, he describes Skinner describes the album as a quote, peaceful coming to terms album. So this is good for our wistful, um, angsty 2000s, you know, uh, becoming adults and coming to terms that we've lost our edge. So peaceful coming to terms album and as containing quote, peaceful, positive vibes, unquote, which stand in stark contrast to the previous album, the hardest way to make an easy living, which Skinner has described as a guilt ridden indulgence. So this album is his peaceful coming to terms album. The song is everything is borrowed. It's a beautiful song. I think it's got a, a nice positive and yet kind of melancholy tinged message to it. So 2008, everything is borrowed by the streets, AKA Mike Skinner, or I should say Mike Skinner, AKA the streets. still black but begs to be read I just put my book down but it begs to be read I'll not nod, I'll not nap, I'll never rest my head Some days I feel I'm getting smaller and smaller But some nights I seem to grow taller and taller You can keep shrinking and shrinking but this will not finish You're never nothing if you didn't disappear Just when I discover the meaning of life they change it Just when I'm loving life it seems to start raining I pull the sail, safe switch, seat, settle and I'm aimed at the stars I love the rain on my scars, the sky's now red, my eyes reflect jest. Smiling at this blessing, this life is the best. I came to this world with nothing, and I leave with nothing but love. Everything else is just horror. I want to notice chances I've passed without notice. I want to see details previously vowed. I want to grab that chance, carry it home, so I can marry and know. That I noticed every chance I could have passed without notice I saw details that to all be veiled And I grabbed those chances, carried them home And then I'll have had it with roaming Wow, where's that been all my life, Jordan? You're a fan of the streets? <laughs> what? I've never heard of them Yeah Yeah, I don't they know were, anything about them Yeah, they were, uh, I guess I should say he It's really his project He collaborated with some different singers and stuff But I, I heard about them just kind of, I think, algorithms and pitchfork reviews here and there. And then, but I came to them a little bit late. Um, but yeah, there's some really good tunes. You guys should both check them out. Jason, I'm surprised you haven't heard of The Streets because you've got such an encyclopedic knowledge of kind of underground or alternative hip hop. Um, but yeah, check them out. There's some really good stuff. Their earlier stuff has more, is a little bit more, uh, well, I don't know. It's, it's, there's good stuff on all the albums I've heard. I Are don't they ha- I don't still making I've- stuff? Um, he hasn't done anything, I don't think, recently. Let me see here. Um, they, it's, speaking of therapy songs, he has a song called On the Edge of a Cliff from this album that I played, I played actually in a Sunday school class for my 15-year-olds. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful story, Edge of the Cliff song, where he's basically talking about 
being suicidal. It's kind of a metaphor. He talks about going to the edge of a cliff, kind of feeling like life was worth nothing. And then seeing an old, you know, sitting there at the edge of a rock, you know, kind of like he's about to jump. And then an old man coming and saying something to him. It's this kind of clever message. Um, anyway, shared it in church. It didn't get any calls from any parents or bishops. It was a very, because the very beautiful then you song. you picked the wrong song, uh, pal. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think he's doing any stuff now, any more music. I'm not sure, though. But it was pretty big in the 2000s in terms of underground alternative hip-hop type stuff. I love it. Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out. Yeah. You must know me well, Jordan, if you say you're uh, playing that because you thought that would be up my alley. Yeah, man. Hey, okay, here, I just looked on Wikipedia. On April 1st, 2020, so two weeks ago, whatever, Skinner announced a new single featuring Australian music project Tame Impala, set to be released on an upcoming mixtape titled None of Us Are Getting Out of This Life Alive, making it the first original Streets material in nine years. The track premiered on Annie Mack's BBC Radio 1 show. So collaborating with Tame Impala, or collaborated with um, just recently in the last few weeks. Hmm. Interesting. Worth checking yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. That's my last okay. pick for the decade. Oh, so I got two more. Brandon has seven more, two, I think. Two more <laughs> uninterrupted picks. Okay. Go for uh, it. First, my first pick from 2009. I'm wondering if you guys are familiar with the group called the Animal Collective. Ooh. You heard of them? Because <laughs> I've, I've got a song sitting here on my list and has been the whole time, and I'm not taking it off for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it got ruined by someone being yeah, annoyed. it's called My Girls and it's by Animal Co- Collective. Nice, uh, sung by Panda Bear and, <laughs> and probably some others. So let's uh, let's check it out. Let's do that. Perhaps there isn't much that is happening. Silent souls in the 
So yeah, interesting that, uh, that this group would get get mentioned so much. Um, I think they they're a good representation of another big movement that was going on in the decade in the indie world. Because um, on the one hand, you've got the bands like like Sufjan uh, and Arcade Fire and that kind of stuff that's more like uh, embracing the all the all the acoustic variety of acoustic instruments. You know, going going back to basics, uh, but also like big band kind of you know huge groups playing like xylophones and kazoo's and and whatever fiddles you know um you know a lot of that stuff you could do without a computer involved at all you know trying to go back to the the analog kind of stuff where at the same time you have a bunch of groups that seem more on this side of thing where it's you have to have a computer to do it um and it's all about loops and samples and arpeggiators and um, somehow combining all that stuff um, into complicated but yet accessible pop kind of music um, and I, yeah, I think Animal Collective is, is a great example of that yeah. um, you're, you're still hearing the Beach Boys influence here, Brian mm-hmm. Wilson but also like uh, Baroque kind of stuff yeah. J.S. Bach like with the kind of fugue structure of um that's that's what i was trying to articulate the really, the the really long intro but it's like setting the stage for what that constant melody is going to be and then they're layering all this stuff on top of it which it's just fascinating how it all blends yeah in. there there is a weird i don't know if they have classical training or or what but there's a weird like like choral classical approach to how they craft their songs it it feels like they're writing like hymns or big productions like just like you said like something Mm -hmm. from a from a Bach collection it's it's hard to explain but that album I mean it doesn't completely surprise me that we we've talked about that as much as we did the album is is pretty critically considered one of the best albums of the decade um it it was it's really good that uh, it's a great pick. I'm glad you picked that. That was the track that I, I had the, a strong debate between that and the Panda Bear track that I picked. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was glad I, I was curious. I thought my gut said that Jordan would pick uh, something from that album, but Brandon, you saved us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it there. Used to be preserved. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like that that sound was kind of all over in, in especially the the second half of the that decade but like looking at my list that it's not represented yeah by my by other yeah, picks, and, and i don't think anybody did it better than them i mean yeah they yeah the best. they were the best at kind of uh that, who, who that else electronic. is in that vein i'm i'm thinking like passion pit yeah. mm-hmm. um forgetting who else I mean, the the high high reverb, like Youth Lagoon, did that too. But that was maybe more the beginning of two thousand tens. Youth Youth Lagoon, do you remember them? Mm-mm. That's a San Diego band. Youth is Lagoon there, is that a real band? It's a guy. Yeah, it's a it's a solo act. But I I bet you guys have heard his his be, his like his more like pop, uh, popular indie hits. But it wasn't as kind of dense electronic. It was definitely electronic laptop music, but there was a lot of reverb um, to the voice. Um, a little more, nos- a little more nostalgia heavy than an Animal Collective. Okay, 
Uh, well, I got one more for you. Let's hear it. Let's bring Let's it home, man. This. It uh, it could not be more different. I guess it could be a little more different, but this is pretty different. Um, we also have not had any representation this decade of a real metal band. Ah. So um, for my last pick, I'm going with my favorite album from Mastodon. Nice. Uh, their album Crack the Sky came out in 2009. Uh, I didn't hear about these guys till a few years later. Some of my students tipped me off to them. So uh, hats off to <laughs> Tate Grimshaw and Ashley and Brevin Hunsaker. They, they're huge Mastodon fans. and uh, Mastodon's like, freaking cool. They represent yeah. kind of a resurgence in like true metal. Like yeah. Good, good, good um, metal. So they, they loaned me this album. Like, you got to listen to this one, Arnold. And so um, I'm... I went with all all the songs on this album were great. It was hard for me to choose one. Um, I'm going with the last Baron. This is the uh, the final track of the album. Um, they they are prone to do concept albums, and one of their early albums is um, like all about Moby Dick, uh, Leviathan. This one, I like to hear them describe it it doesn't make any sense it's like got time travel stuff it's got stuff with Rasputin in there um, it's a it's, it's a weirdly metal thing to do to make concept yeah. albums though like that's yeah. not it's not unusual it's it's and lame do- and it's so tough at the same time yeah so um, here we go Last Baron by Mastodon You heard that before, Jordan? I have not. That was powerful. Love it. That's pretty I nice. I love it. Man. It's good. Uh, I don't, it, it never occurred to me before. They're basically just a more metal version. They're a prog band. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and they, you know, a lot of metal bands. It's about playing fast, and these guys can play fast, but it's not just about that. And it's not they play heavy, but it's not just about being heavy. Um, so I, I really like the. Uh, I don't know. It's it's got that prog side of it, the the complexity to it, but yeah. also, um, well, also prog, with, with prog, with there's the like emotion. An, yeah, there's like an epic nature to prog stuff. Like they're, yeah. you know, they, they can be a little bit dramatic, and there there's some some drama to it. But they're they're musically really good, and they can get really heavy, really hard. Yeah. 
Like yeah. that yeah. that isn't nearly as hard as they can bring. That's a good song though. I like that yeah. album. And I, I like all the the stuff they're doing. I mean, there's stuff going on besides just just the guitars, you know, other thing if you pay attention, there's um like organ kind of sounds in there. Sometimes they use banjo, acoustic guitar, lot lots of cool stuff going on there. Uh the band is four members and at least three of them are occasional lead singers. I think all three of them sing at one point or another in this song. Um, and they, they get into some, uh, some heavy stuff thematically too. Uh, I know this one, the drummer who is the main, the main songwriter in the band, at least on this album was, um, as they were getting ready to, to do their next project, his sister committed suicide. And so that, was a big mm. impact impact on him while he's writing this album, and you can you can see the the influence in the song. So um, they they use the uh, their music and the band, um, I guess as as part of that cathartic kind of thing of, as a way mm. of working through actual difficulties in life. And so I, I don't get the same darkness from, I mean. It's heavy music, but it doesn't feel dark to me in the way that something right. like like Tool does, where they're just like, "We want you to feel terrible," <laughs> or or some of the you know, <laughs> Norwegian black metal, or yeah. it's just trying to be shocking. Uh, these guys, I I do get a more positive vibe while mm-hmm. they're working through through actual struggles and through heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah, very cool, Mastodon. Well, All right, uh, should we should we so go to our up. Jordan? You look tired. Should we jump to our decade? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's bring it home. We've got okay, guys. We've got for you first our overrated. Then we'll go with our underrated, and then we'll go with our decade champ. So first for overrated, Jason, who do you got? This whole exercise was this was really hard for me. Um, let me pull up my notes here. Um, this is you're going to probably feel. The, the same way you did when I picked the Eagles for most overrated, like this is an easy target, but I'm, I'm still blown away that the cultural impact these guys have, like mm-hmm. uh, it's freaking green day. Um, mm-hmm. like they got a Vegas show. Were they this, doing something in the two thousands? Mm-hmm. They put out American, Ameri- Idiot. American idiot, which everyone loved mm-hmm. or the critics loved anyway. Yeah. And, and it's still like, it's a, it's the song they play on. I mean, you'll, you'll hear it on American Idol. You, they had a Vegas show for heaven's sake. They mm-hmm. had like the cultural impact, the longevity and the amount I was going through how much they sold, how many albums they sold, how many singles, like they've put out five. Are you dissing on Boulevard of Broken Dreams? Yeah. Is that what you're doing right now? Yes. It's exactly what I'm doing. Mm. Um, wasn't Green Day my overrated of the 90s? I think they were. Was it? It, it may was. have been. So yeah. is this two decades in a row that they've been? You know yeah, what? Man. We're this, right on, this, right this on target. Makes me, this makes me even more happy that I picked it because they <laughs> is, is your goal just to not offend anybody? Like, <laughs> no. I'm going to pick a band that everyone can agree sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's not overrated. Who likes Green Day? Nobody. I think at this point, my my thorough enjoyment of offending everybody has been made very clear. Yeah, Jason's um, not afraid of offending anyone. Yeah, yeah. you uh, you got scared off by uh, by saying the Beatles were overrated and haven't <laughs> haven't done it since. 
I mean, who do you okay. want? Okay, I'll pick on the Eagles for now. <laughs> is there a is there a Beatles of the early two thousands? Who is it? I'll There's pick. Not, I, I, I know I, who it is. I know who it is. Who? Who? Eminem is the most overrated artist of the 2000s so that's an interesting one because i do have like he shows up on lists all the time as like a a a top mc of all time exactly and i don't he's he's technically really good he doesn't do it for me no i've never owned an eminem album like i love hip-hop more than most people i know i've never owned an eminem album i have i don't have a single eminem song in any of my um playlists so yeah if i if i want to take probably the more controversial pick or more irritating pick Eminem, but I, I don't know how many of the the tens of people that listen to us even give a rip about Eminem, but yeah. sure. I'll combine them too. Green Day and Eminem, most overrated <laughs> of the of the early two thousands. Well, so I'm I'll just piggyback off of this since I already said mine, Eminem. So Jason, it's interesting that you feel the same way where like I've heard multiple people say he's a top five MC all time. Um, some people top three, some people great, the goat, you know, or whatever. And I'm, whenever I hear that, I'm thinking like he can rhyme, he's good, but I've, he's never done it for me, but it's not just that. It's like, there's something about it that I'm like, why? Like, yeah, sure. He should be, you know, uh, popular and, and at some level, but, but just the, uh, the degree of popularity, I've just never understood and it's interesting because i think we both are beastie boys fans and i think a lot of people kind of put him as kind of heir apparent maybe just because he's white i don't know i think that's the only reason because stylistically they're not even close different i mean he does some people might say well beastie boys did really silly stuff but then they had songs where they were like where they were legitimately cool and they weren't just goofing off eminem did that but when he went silly it was too to me it was too carnival too silly too uh, weird he, and when he went serious it was too dramatic and too serious and too brooding and i i don't know i've just never he's just technically never really good and if you see him like do battle yeah. stuff freestyle stuff right. he's incredible and i think that's yeah. where he gets a lot of like his his hip-hop credibility from because if right you, if you can battle rap if you can freestyle that's like mm-hmm. like a higher level right of of that art but yeah. the stuff he makes and the stuff records, like he took on this Eminem persona and he was really intentionally shocking, which mm-hmm. I, like it doesn't offend me, but it, it kind of becomes an irritant. But then the thing that drives me crazy is if you're going to be, if you're going to take on intentionally, like put on a mask, take on a persona, don't be so serious about it. Like when somebody right, right. challenges you yeah. um, on that, like, acknowledge that that this is that this is performance but yeah. he's so serious like if somebody challenges that persona he's yeah. just he's such a dick about it yeah. and it's right. the whole thing is irritating i think for me for sure 2000s eminem totally overrated i still don't know about his music but from what i've seen of him in the last few years i like him better just in the sense of you know i mean he came out with some some anti-Trump stuff that was pretty funny to me, and and uh, I like him better in his recovery, let's say. But two thousands Eminem overrated for me as the the main overrated artist. How about you, Brandon? What do you who do you got as your overrated of the decade? I I don't even know enough to to say who's who's overrated in this decade. What? I couldn't. You didn't pick anyone. Uh, oh, come on. The only thing I could think of was almost every popular song of the decade 
<laughs> they were just all so terrible. So just but, pop me pop music. Like I mean, radio pop. I just put in Billboard top hundred songs of the two thousands. Top forty. Okay. That's your overrated. Like IPs, TI, Flo Rida, Three Doors Down. But is that dog, stuff rated as high? Soldier Boy. Like is is that truly oh, rated high? Oh, listen, Mr. Green Day. <laughs> I, I can tell you right now i do not want to name names because i will upset people i can name you three different people in my life that are convinced that green day is like a top tier music act like truly like i don't know anybody that still is listening to black eyed peas i don't know a single human that still listens to black eyed peas and is like this stuff's good I know multiple well, people that, that that's what i'm saying then all, this, all the stuff day. that was popular in the 2000s terrible mm. <laughs> it is pretty crappy <laughs> okay let's move on to underrated who do you have let's start with you brandon who do you have for underrated underrated um yeah. i don't know if this is underrated necessarily hidden gem underrated or hidden gem um i'm going with the album that robert plant and allison krauss did together oh okay so you're going um, with an album <laughs> rather than an artist well, the the two of them. I've yeah, already yeah. broken all those rules. You can go with whatever you want. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Alison Krauss and Robert Plant. Yeah. I I found out about Alison Krauss from the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure she had done a lot of stuff before that, but um, her and uh, Jillian Welch and who else was on that with them? Amy Lou Harris. Mm. I think the three of them. Did, did sounds, songs together. That sounds, that sounds right. Um, anyway, so after that, uh, Robert yeah, Plant did. does That's this. A great soundtrack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Robert Plant does this album with her called Raising Sand. And all I knew about Robert Plant was Led Zeppelin. Um, I, I know he had some solo hits in the, in the 80s, but maybe even the 90s. I don't know. I never mm. paid his solo career any attention. Um, and so, but this album blew me away at just how cool his voice was i mean i knew he could sing led zeppelin kind of stuff but i'd never heard him do like the more gentle pretty kind of things um and i don't i don't know how many of these songs are originals versus covers of of folk songs uh i went with one that is a cover um but uh he he picked it uh, I read an interview with him that came out a few years ago where he's talking about favorite songs that he's done throughout his career. And he mentions this one, how much he loved collaborating with Alison Krauss and specifically this song. uh, It's called your long journey. I think it's the last song on the album Um, written by, uh, I think it was a, some kind of a preacher in the in the sixties whose wife died and so he, he wrote this song as kind of part of the grieving process. Um and I know that was a big part of Robert Plant's life too. Um towards the end of Led Zeppelin career career when uh his son died. Mm-hmm. Um was it right before right when they were working on In Through the Outdoor? Is that yeah, when that I happened? Think so. Um and he, he made the comment that you know people were criticizing Led Zeppelin for changing their sound and they weren't rocking as hard as they used to. And, and he says, well, I mean, after I lost my boy, it just didn't seem right to get out there on stage and be like, hey, hey, mama, see the way you move. Hmm. He just didn't 
you know, it just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and so I think this is a, I, I know that he can relate to the, the feelings in the song and it's, so the words are great. Their voices are great. You should check nice. it out. Your nice Long pick. Journey, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. Excellent pick. so powerful in its simplicity mm. the those beautiful voices working together i've never heard that track brandon that's beautiful yeah i'm gonna put that put that on tomorrow listen to that some more good one very good all right um i'll go and then i'll go with my underrated um so they ended up on my list in terms of we listened to a song of theirs it's i'm going with broken social scene i think they are a rock band. I mean, they get critical praise. I just think that they're, they should get more. I love arcade fire. And I think broken social scene is up there with them. And I want people to know and listen to those albums, especially from mm. the two thousands more. Mm-hmm. Why don't we listen to the first 30, the first 20 seconds, Brandon of Casey accidental. get the point <laughs> rock and roll yeah little indie rock yep yeah they can give arcade fire a run for their money yeah they're both great there's room for both of them mm-hmm. all right jason what you got oh man i wanted to go a lot of different ways okay 
I'm going to pull a Jordan. I'm going to tell you what I'm not picking because I'm certain, <laughs> I'm certain we're going to come back to this. I, I want to pick MF. Actually, what I want to pick is LCD sound system, but I've talked enough about them. Yeah. So next I want to pick MF Doom. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. MF Doom has a weird kind of high bar for certain hip hop heads. Like he's, yeah. he's very well respected by a small group of people. Yeah. Um, I think he's gotten more recognition based on what he did with Danger Mouse. And then he's turned up on some, some other projects. Met with um, Mad Lib and all that. But another one, he wears a mask. He performs in a mask. He's changed his name. He performs under like five different names. Um, mm-hmm. Victor Vaughn, yeah. Mad Villainy, uh, King Hydra. Yeah. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring out a different uh, kind of a, a, well, it is, it's an underground hip hop um, artist. His name's Merce, M-U-R-S. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of my, my favorite underground hip hop artists. He's done stuff with Atmosphere. Um, he's, he's worked with a producer named Ninth Wonder that's a pretty respected hip hop producer. And he's always just kind of stayed true to his aesthetic. He's just, he's, he, he does his thing. Um, not super flashy, but he's a great storyteller and I think he's a great MC. So my favorite album by his came out in 2006. It's called Murray's Revenge. It's Mercer Ninth Wonder. And I'll just have you play the first track. It's a, a super cool track called Merce Day off of Murray's Revenge. Um, and you can get a, a little taste of, of who Merce is. What up, bro? Mercy. Nice wonder. Murray's Revenge. Just let it play. Nothing with that. Don't know what time it is. Such a fat. Watch your mouth and lower your tone and keep your hand on that cell phone. We back. Now my day in the sun has come. The one chosen to break up the ice that got the rap world frozen. Speak that slang that'll heat up the game. Now roll down your window, turn the beat up and bang. Feeling the breeze, let the world know they still making real MCs. So please make a call, tell your friend, tell the hood that we back and revenge never sounded so good. Questioning life about chopping vocal samples, I'll chop you in your throat till you choke on the answer. Nice with this mic since I was broken handsome. Till I get my respect, I'm holding dope for ransom. From the West Coast, everything I float's an anthem. AR's who slept but now throwing a tantrum. Hand them over, boys, your jewels and your He's funny. He does great work with Ninth Wonder. Ninth Wonder's a great producer. He does. He can be really self-deprecating in tracks. He's a, he's similar to Black Alicious in that he kind of he owns the fact that he is not like a super street or super gangster rapper. But then he'll also break out some of the bravado a little bit as well. And um, just I, I really like him. I I'm, he's one that I always scratch my head a little bit as to why he didn't have a, a more prominent career but mm-hmm. i'm kind of glad that he didn't because it would make you, it would make me not like him anymore, so. <laughs> yeah that's right good thing that he he remained credible for you yeah thank you thank you Merce. his family's not very happy about it but his wife and kids wish he was a little yeah, more i'm sure he's done okay for himself yeah all right let's move it on to decade champ um i'm gonna go first this time just because for somehow i'm the designated orchestrator right now and I'm, I'm mixing it up and i feel i'm gonna tell you guys i feel very confident with my decade champ Ooh, wow and i'm gonna i'm gonna say that makes one of us yeah i'm getting close to the camera when he's i'm getting that. close yeah i'm also yeah i'm feeling the finish line too this has been an epic one and this has been fun 
and but my bed is calling me. But um, <laughs> here we go. I'm going to start general and say, generally speaking, it's the obvious pick, which is indie music. But then if we go, if we narrow it down from there, we go to understated male singer-songwriters are the decade champ. And if we narrow it down even further, I'm going to pick Mr. Bonnie Prince Billy, Will Oldham himself as the decade champ. Oh. Um, not popular No wonder you're champ. so sure of it. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I'm especially he's, he's sure. He's the decade champ. It's, it's all based on record sales, popularity, and name recognition. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. No, but I'm especially um, very, I'm most um, confident about the understated gentle male singer songwriters <laughs> let me let me just list some for you that no, fit no, no, in this no. category no 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 no, no, no. Me, let us do our own seconds. decade champs for a no, minute no, Jordan. come on you get to talk about your <laughs> stuff for 20 he minutes was say, he was gonna say the s word <laughs> i was this gonna is, say shit i was gonna yeah, say it this is so I was good gonna say it. Hey, we listened, to you, we listened to you talk about Mastodon for 20 minutes. Let me say why the gentle male singers. I just don't want you to give away stuff. I'm not giving. I'm, this is my stuff. Okay. So okay. you be quiet. Okay. <laughs> so here we got, we got, we got Sufjan Stevens, right? We've got Ben Harper. We've got the Iron and Wine guy. We've got Boney Vare. We've got Bonnie Prince Billy. We've got Sparkle Horse and their lead singer. It's all this whispery, gentle singing of these males and i i was wondering about it like why didn't i have any females and i thought this was the decade where men were singing or being so uh in touch with their gentle feminine side and is this why there's no females on their list i don't know why but but continuing on elliot smith microphones who, who i played one bright eyes connor oberst uh glenn hasnard andrew bird Granddaddy, the Death Cab for Cutie Guy, Silver Jews, Electric Magnolia Company, Mason Jennings, Damian Harado, Pedro the Lion, Grizzly Bear. We have Beck as a popular, much more popular, not indie, but Beck going there with his sea change. So mm -hmm. to me, that's the decade champ is these kind of wow, whispering male singer-songwriters. That's it's it. an impressive list. I think you took yeah. a few liber liberties, but it is an impressive yeah. list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm going to concur with you to, to some extent. Uh, I think you made a good argument for, for that genre. And um, that, that probably is why I had so far, this is the, the decade I've had a hardest time deciding on a champ because, and, and also I think why I couldn't decide on an overrated one because all the stuff yeah. that was really popular, I, was so turned off by it that I'd never, you know, never listened to it enough to even know what was overrated or not. Right, I don't, right. The stuff that's really popular, I have no clue. I don't know if, I don't know if Nelly is good or not. I've never listened to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or R. Kelly or, or You're really missing Usher or, on Nelly, I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't know. Just kidding. Um, it seems like the, the stuff that I like the most and it seems the most worthy of being champ this decade um most people don't know about yeah so mine mine isn't quite as obscure as bonnie prince billy but i'm going with sufjan <laughs> stevens for my nice my decade champ my personal decade champ uh he's the one that's his music has meant the most to me mm -hmm. uh that decade and continues to and i i like all the I like all the stuff that he does i'm i like everything about him i like his yeah. soul and his uh 
his talent and his creativity and yeah, I think his his approach has had a big impact on on my my own approach to recording and and that stuff as well. Nice. Nice. Good pick. All right, Jason, bring us home. Who's your champ? I, I think we're we're defining champ differently. You you guys mm-hmm. both clearly picked the person that was most meaningful to you. I did not. Um I picked the person that I think unquestionably won the decade. Mm-hmm. Freaking Beyonce. She mm-hmm. had like mm-hmm. two of the biggest selling albums of the decade. She put out three albums in the decade. She was in eight movies in that decade. <laughs> and she that's the decade where she became the brand that she is. She turned yeah. into Queen Bay. She's got her Bay Hive. And she mm-hmm. became this, this um, cultural influencer um, like at a level comparable to and maybe even beyond I mean, she's got to be right there as far as influence that like Madonna ever had. Oh yeah, or, or I even think she's beyond Michael Jackson had. It's it's crazy, mm-hmm. and yeah. and that was the decade where she became that. Like that's where she reached, I think, the peak of her powers that then carried on into this decade. Right, and have grown probably. I mean, I think that was definitely she became the cultural force. But it seems like the lemonade thing brought it to a whole nother. I mean, because, it was just artistically, but yeah, but yeah, like Madonna never had a, a lemonade. Michael Jackson never yeah. had a lemonade. Like that was a critically acclaimed like album that that suddenly yeah, that Super Bowl performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, That's true. right. That was That's right. It was. It was. So I I, I think she won the decade. But um, okay. Uh, question take- for you both then. So, are you familiar with the movie Bloodsport? Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> Exactly. 1988, John claude Van Damme. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like the Karate Kid, but for grown-ups. So instead of um, to- uh, Daniel LaRusso, you've got Frank Dukes, played by John claude Van Damme. Uh-huh. Instead of Mr. Ma- Miyagi, you have Master Tanaka. Instead of the Valley Karate Tournament, you've got the fr- this underground tournament called the uh, Kumite in Hong Kong. If you took your decades... 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now early 2000s, you entered them into a Kumite underground <laughs> fighting match where they're <laughs> matching up against each other. Oh my gosh. I think this calls How, for a Jason Johnson die. Who, yeah. who yeah. Who's shot, your shot. dark horse? Because when I was when I was thinking about it this way, my 2000s decade, I think, is a dark horse to make it at least to the semifinals. Yeah, in a Kumite fighting match of my picks, decade versus decade versus. Oh yeah, two thousands. Yeah, it's got to be right. Yeah, the two thousands was a a sneaky good decade. Yeah, and we talk about how you know important the sixties and seventies was. The two thousands, early two thousands, for all its crappy pop, was a sneaky good decade that I think goes Frank Dukes and ends up at least in my my semifinals of my my Kumite fight (laughs) to the death. That's how tired I am because I heard you say that whole thing and I thought you were talking about the champs versus each other. I thought you were talking about Beyonce <laughs> versus the Beatles versus. That easily could have been how I explained I, it. And I'm pretty sure in a real fight, Beyonce would beat either of those guys. She could probably take <laughs> the Beatles, yeah. But her, her music could not take out Led Zeppelin's music or the Beatles' music. All right, I've said too much. Parting thoughts. Parting thoughts. Um, this was a great decade, like you said. 
Um, I'm excited for 2010s because there's a lot of great music I like in there. And I noticed there was, there was, I had, before I even uh, had noticed the whole female male disparity in my lists, I noticed the 2010s is much more even and that wasn't conscious. So I don't know what's going on there with that, but it's, uh, I'm excited. 2000s was great. I think the technology and the change in the way we listen to music and the way labels were doing things had a lot to do with it. Cause it seemed like the rise of this kind of, um, these indie labels and like that had more prominence and more power to get the stuff out there. Uh, um, and so it was a great decade for me. I think one of my favorites, maybe my favorite decade in terms of where I really began to um, seek music more out on my own uh, more uh, deeply. So that's my parting thoughts here at 11.37 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sums it up for me too. Yeah, nice, Brandon. All right, Brandon, play us out. Been, what what, what sick track do you have discussion. to play us out on? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh! New sling. I uh, I wanted to pick this so bad. I love this. It's song. a good one. All right. Thanks, boys. Well done. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. Next time. Right. Cheers. Later, fellas.